Is Procter & Gamble stock a smart buy right now? That's the big question we're tackling today. Welcome to Global Value, and in this video, we're going to dive deep into a thorough analysis of Procter & Gamble PG stock, emulating none other than Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of all time. We'll scrutinize the key numbers that Buffett values most, and then we'll calculate three different fair values for Procter & Gamble to really understand what it's worth in today's market. Make sure you stay with me till the end because our combined fair value and rating might just take you by surprise. And there's more. I'll also reveal a crucial bonus metric that could be the deciding factor when adding PG stock to your portfolio. So is Procter & Gamble a golden opportunity waiting to be seized? Let's find out together. Right now Procter & Gamble trades for $152.83 per share. This year, their stock is flat, which underperforms the market. The S&P 500 is up 15%. But that's not all for shareholders. Right now, Procter & Gamble pays a 2.47% dividend yield. They're a dividend king. They've grown their dividends for each of the last 67 years. Procter & Gamble has also paid dividends for 133 years in a row. That's insane. More than a century. Their returns from their dividends are added to any gains in their stock. In the last five years, it's a different story. Procter & Gamble compounds at 10.5% annually. In the last 10 years, they compound at 6.5% annually. When we go back before the global financial crisis, in the last 18.5 years, Procter & Gamble has compounded at 5.5% annually, plus returns from their dividends. But the burning question is, why should we be paying close attention to Procter & Gamble? Right now, the company trades just $6 below its 52-week high. They're up $20 from their 52-week low. There's hardly any short interest in the company. And how big is Procter & Gamble? They're huge. They have a $357 billion market cap. They're one of the largest consumer goods companies in the world. So what does the company actually do? Since its founding in 1837, Procter & Gamble has become one of the world's largest consumer product manufacturers, generating more than $80 billion in annual sales. It operates with a lineup of leading brands, including more than 20 that generate north of $1 billion each in annual global sales. These include Tide Laundry Detergent, Charmin Toilet Paper, Pantene Shampoo, and Pampers Diapers. Procter & Gamble sold its last remaining food brand, Pringles, to Kellogg in calendar 2012. Sales outside its home turf represent just more than half of the firm's consolidated total. Now with that background, let's dive deep into their numbers. Starting with metric number one, we want their average return on capital in the last five years to be above 14%. A normal business earns 7% returns on capital. When we look for a benchmark that's double this, we can build in margin of safety based on the quality of the company. Procter & Gamble has increased their returns in this time. They took these from being in the high teens in 2019 and 2020 to being around 21% in each of the last three fiscal years. When these are averaged out, Procter & Gamble earns 20% returns on capital in a given year. That's nearly three times better than a normal company. This is a huge check on metric number one. Metric number two, we want growth in their sales, earnings, and free cash flows to support their high returns on capital. In this time, the company's sales have grown by 23%. Their earnings are up nearly four times. These have almost quadrupled. This is due to $8.3 billion of charges in 2019 due to an asset write-down and impairment of goodwill. These negatively hit the company in 2019. Still, even if we add those back in, their earnings are up over this time. Procter & Gamble has also grown their free cash flows by 23%. This is growth across the board. It's another check on metric number two. In our third metric, we want earnings per share growth. This looks at Procter & Gamble from the view of an individual shareholder. In this time, their earnings are up by a ton. 
Again, they're still up even when we add in those charges from 2019. Procter & Gamble has also bought back 2.5% of their shares outstanding, slightly increasing the ownership percentage for existing shareholders. With earnings growth and fewer shares outstanding, Procter & Gamble has grown their earnings per share. It's another check on metric number three. Procter & Gamble is perfect so far. What will the rest of their numbers look like? Metric number four, we want free cash flow per share growth. This is pretty similar. In this time, their free cash flows have grown 23%. They've also reduced their share count slightly. This means they've grown their free cash flows per share. To recap, so far through four metrics, Procter & Gamble is a perfect four for four. They have four checks. Before we look at their balance sheet and get into our valuations, why don't we check in on our bonus? Right now, Procter & Gamble pays an above average 2.47% dividend yield, but is this safe and will Procter & Gamble be a dividend king in the future by growing this? That's what we're trying to figure out through our bonus. We want their dividends to be supported by their free cash flows. This is important because it means the company is able to internally fund their dividend growth. That's been the case in all five of these years. Procter & Gamble has grown their free cash flows. They've also grown their dividends steadily while maintaining a reasonable dividend payout ratio. Procter & Gamble has one of the best dividend track records of any business out there. They pay dividends for 133 years, and in each of the last 67 years, they've grown these. Procter & Gamble is one of the most well-known dividend stocks, largely thanks to its extremely long dividend history and widely recognizable brands. Their dividends are supported over this time, and they're supported today. It's exactly what we want to see. This is a check on our bonus. In recessions, it's businesses with too much debt that can have the biggest losses and even go broke. Metric number five, we want the sum of their free cash flows in their last five years to be below their net debt. Procter & Gamble ended last year with $27 billion in net debt. Today, this sits at $26 billion. In the last five years, Procter & Gamble earns a ton of free cash flow. They've brought in $69 billion worth. That's almost three times their net debt position. This is a huge check for the business. Compared to the leverage they use, Procter & Gamble generates a ton of free cash flow. They seem to be in very strong shape. Flawless through our first five metrics, does Procter & Gamble have what it takes to go a perfect 6 for 6 on our analysis and be a select 6 stock? How about we find out? The big metric of them all, metric number 6, we want their average 5-year free cash flow divided by their enterprise value to give us a yield that's above 5%. If this is the case, it gives a slight risk premium to the yield of the 10-year treasury, this is the first of our three valuation methods. Right now, Procter & Gamble has a $384 billion enterprise value, one of the largest consumer goods companies in the world. Enterprise value adds their net debt and their market cap together to look at Procter & Gamble more like a private business. In the last five years, we learned they brought in $69 billion of free cash flow. This means they bring in $13.8 billion in an average year. When we divide their average free cash flow by their enterprise value, we get a 3.6% average free cash flow yield. That's right about in line with the yield from the 10-year treasury. Today, Procter & Gamble brought in $14.6 billion of free cash flow in their last 12 months. When we divide that by their enterprise value, it gives us a 3.8% current free cash flow yield, also about in line with the 10-year treasury. While these are right at that level, they're down from the 5% risk premium we wanted. This means coming in all the way on metric number 6, it's our first and only X of the day for Procter & Gamble. Don't just throw them out. You're going to want to see what our other two valuation estimates say about the business before you stick around for our fair market value and rating at the end of the video. Everything we've looked at so far is important, but there's something missing. This, in my opinion, is the main reason to analyze Procter & Gamble. It brings us to use a discounted cash flow model to estimate their fair value per share. 
A DCF model is based on the predictability of a company's business. Like any other model, its outputs are sensitive to its inputs. Procter & Gamble has had low business predictability in their past due to major restructuring in the last decade, so this makes this a rougher estimate for the business than usual. We're going to take an average of their free cash flows from their last three years. Free cash flows can be lumpy year to year, that's why we take an average here. Then we'll use historical assumptions to grow these into the future. It's up to you to figure out if these will be accurate or not. If we assume they grow their free cash flows at 5.5% in each of the next 10 years, then in the next decade, we'll assume these grow at 4% annually. We're also going to add in their book value to give an estimate of their net worth. If we want a market beating 15% rate of return, which is what Warren Buffett looks for from his investments. At today's valuation multiples, an estimate of Procter & Gamble's fair value is around $70 per share. That's less than half of their current stock price. Keep some key points in mind. This rate of return includes their dividend yield already. Procter & Gamble trades for a price-to-owner earnings of 27 times. This is slightly above their median in the past 10 years of 25 times, although well above their minimum of 15 times. As a large, established, sleepy blue-chip stock, it's unlikely Procter & Gamble is going to give these huge market-beating rates of return, especially when their dividend is pegged as being so reliable and so stable for shareholders. We're also going to take a guru-focused value for Procter & Gamble. This uses their business predictability, which means it's rough like our DCF. It also accounts for how they've traded compared to historical multiples and what analyst estimates for their future are. Right now, this comes in around $160 per share. This isn't the same rate of return, so don't let that fool you. So far, we've covered a lot of the numbers Warren Buffett cares most about, but it's a business's qualities that really set it apart. How about we learn what these are for Procter & Gamble? We're going to start with the long thesis. Number one, if retailers and consumers continue to find favor with leading branded operators versus low-priced options, Procter & Gamble's sales trajectory may outpace expectations. Number two, opportunities to narrow its product mix could enable Procter & Gamble to more effectively direct its brand spending to the highest return areas. Number three, despite reaching the end of its second $10 billion cost reduction effort, additional savings likely stemming from reduced overhead and higher returns on its manufacturing footprint and marketing investments could manifest themselves if efficiency is as ingrained in its culture as management suggests. But it's not all sunshine and roses. Let's look at a short thesis as well. Number one, disruption to travel retail from lockdown measures, which is around $1 billion in annual sales for Procter & Gamble, has been an Achilles heel for their beauty segment, which is nearly one-fifth of sales, and it could resurface if mobility restrictions are ever reinstated. Number two, consumers in some European markets are increasingly adding private label fare to their carts amid widening price gaps. Constraints on consumer pocketbooks could ultimately incite a similar response on Procter & Gamble's home turf of the United States. Number three, foreign exchange volatility may hamper profits at times, since Procter & Gamble makes and sells its wares in different geographic regions. Big news for the business also came by a small move from Warren Buffett. Procter & Gamble was alongside a handful of companies that were a very small position in Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio, which it seems Warren Buffett trimmed to boost his cash pile in his most recent 13F filing. Now let's put everything together as we estimate their fair market value, give our rating, and check in on who else still owns Procter & Gamble. This far in our analysis of Procter & Gamble stock ticker PG, we've learned they go 5 for 6 on our select 6 analysis. 
They look like they have many of the signs of being a wonderful business. They're only off when we look at their free cash flow yield, which is just about average with the 10-year treasury. But it begs the question, if Warren Buffett doesn't own Procter & Gamble, who does? Procter & Gamble is owned by Yakman Asset Management, Terry Smith, who's been called the British Warren Buffett, Jensen Investment Management, and AKO Capital, along with a few small positions from investors, including the Bill & Melinda Gates Foundation. When we combine all of our estimates for Procter & Gamble's fair value, we get a total market value of around $113 per share. The business last traded at those levels during the market crash in March of 2020, Right now, it's about $40 above that. Keep in mind, this isn't financial advice and you need to do what's right for you. When we put everything in our analysis together, Procter & Gamble looks like a great candidate for more research. They may not have huge returns, but they could be a reliable cornerstone of a portfolio. If you enjoyed today's PG stock analysis, like it, subscribe to the channel for more, share your thoughts in the comments, and watch this next video.